Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining today. We are so excited to have you. We are on our last podcast for Marriage, Love and Respect Part 4. And we're excited to go ahead and get started. I am Tanya. And I'm Michael. And let's go ahead. Yes, we're talking about the very important biblical principle found in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Love and respect are the fuel and grease of the relationship. It's what runs the relationship and makes it run smoothly. It energizes and re-energizes a marriage. Emerson Egerges calls this the energizing cycle. His love motivates her respect and her respect motivates his love. It's the law of reciprocity. If someone feels love and respected, they are usually motivated to return it. Women especially need love, as in couple, and men especially need respect, as in chairs. Women tend to love their husbands like couple, though, and there are aspects of that can just rub men the wrong way. Too much closeness. We're together all the time and not giving him some space, demanding too much information so it feels like you're prying. Wanting a lot of face-to-face talking about the relationship can be overwhelming. Getting mad when not understood or complaining a lot about the relationship in order to fix issues, but it feels disrespectful to him, like you're attacking him as not measuring up as a husband, father, provider, leader of the home. Men need to be loved more like chairs, and that's counterintuitive for most women and countercultural. Admiring him with words of affirmation for doing good as a husband, father, protector, and provider. Expressing appreciation for his desire to conquer adventures in work and in hobbies. To lead, give insight, solve problems. To have side-by-side fun together without talking about the kids or your relationship. And making sure the relationship has a satisfiable sexual intimacy. Husbands, on the other hand, tend to get all involved in their chairs thinking with their careers and hobbies, alone time, having fun with the guys, working on projects, conquering the next big thing, watching sports, playing golf or their favorite sport, being a little obsessed with sex so that a wife can sometimes feel unloved. She needs to have sufficient time to feel close and understood, talking face to face, knowing her love language and loving her in her love language, hugs, saying I love you, spending quality time with her, meaningful gifts. We need to know the needs of our spouse and spend some time in their worlds. If both do this, this is the gas and the oil that makes the relationship run and run well. The energizing cycle, it energizes a marriage. Without it, we can get on what Emerson Egerges calls the crazy cycle. When she feels unloved, she tends to act disrespectfully. When he feels disrespected, then he tends to act unloving. And this can cause an argument to spin out of control like it did with our example of the light bulb issue. And couples can get locked into this crazy cycle for extended periods of time where they are just hating on one another in unloving and disrespectful ways. And it takes one person, what Emerson Eggridge calls the most mature person, to begin infusing health into the marriage by loving and respecting the unlovable. Jesus says in Matthew to love your enemy. Sometimes your spouse can be your enemy at the moment and your first inclination is to return their hate with hate. That's when it's hard to love the unlovable, to serve those who don't deserve it. Like when Jesus died on the cross when we were his enemies, said, Father, forgive them when his enemies spat on him to wash another's feet as Jesus did to illustrate what it means to serve. This was the lowliest of tasks by the lowliest of servants and Jesus washed the feet of Judas. How humbling is that? Remember, we are commanded to love as Christ love and respect as unto the Lord. Jesus is our model. We are to do this unto him because we love him and want to please him by following his commands and his desires to love and respect as he does. 
unconditionally, not just because the other person is acting loving or respectful to us, not just because we're getting something back in return. We do this because the Lord we love more than anything commands us to, and we're accountable to him for what we do, regardless of what the other person does. Emerson Egregious calls this the reward cycle. Our reward is in heaven. Our motivation is not what we get out of loving and respecting, which is a happy marriage, a spouse that's satisfying our needs. This is the happy consequence of following God's ways. When we follow God's ways, good things happen. When we don't, bad things happen. But our motivation is not to get our needs met. Our motivation is to meet someone else's needs, to be a servant, to have a servant's heart. Our motivation is to learn to be more like Jesus who washed his disciples' feet. We are to reflect his character. The husband reflects Jesus as the head of the church, and the wife reflects the church, the body of Christ. And when we love and respect, we model God's kingdom for our children. Pink and blue make purple the color of the kingdom of God. And our rewards are even greater when we choose to love and respect someone who doesn't deserve it. Jesus said to love your enemies. If you love only those who love you back, what reward will you get? Even the tax collectors and pagans do that. By loving those who don't deserve it, we heap coals over their head. In other words, unconditional love and kindness breaks chains, releases strongholds, convicts hearts. It allows the Holy Spirit to do the hard work of changing them without our hatred, putting another brick on the wall that is dividing us. This is really hard during seasons of profound marital difficulty, and the other person is just not responding to our initiative to love and respect the other person who is not being very loving or respectful. And this goes on for a while. Sometimes trust has to be reestablished that this is for real. Past hurts can run deep and can be hard to just fix overnight. Or the other person may have some major personality flaws and is a taker and will take anything you give them and never has a heart to give back. God has to do some major work on that individual. But our reward is in heaven and we do our part to love and respect. And there are plenty of testimonials of love and respect changing lives in what seems like a hopeless situation. But the hope is that both husband and wife work hard to love and respect and stay on the energizing cycle as much as possible. You'll never stay completely off the crazy cycle completely. We all take a spin on the crazy cycle from time to time. We get mad and we act out in unloving and disrespectful ways. But oftentimes we get comfortable in our marriages and we stop doing some of these things that we did when we were dating and when we were engaged and when first married. We're not being proactive to make Sure, the other person feels loved and respected. I know for us, life can be so busy. We probably don't pay adequate attention to our marriage. We pour into the life of our daughter, but do we pour into a life of each other's lives? You know, we just, we just started back doing date nights with another couple. You know, it's crucial to a marriage that you have regular dates and have fun together away from the kids. I, I know I try to do little things to let you see how much I love you. I, I start the car for you. I give you flowers and make cards for you on special occasions. And sometimes at random, we, we try to hug good morning and good night, hug goodbye and hello. Uh, before you started working from home, I think you mentioned this in the other podcast, I would leave a little heart in the car every time you left for work with a little note on it. I try to give you that quality time and my undivided attention when you talk emphasis on try because I know you value quality time as the primary love language, Tanya. And I don't think I could ever give you as much quality time as you would like. I can get overwhelmed sometimes too, with all the face-to-face conversation, especially about the relationship or, or family issues. And I think that's where we got to see where our other spouse 
is really taking that step forward and trying and giving them a, a little grace that they're trying to meet you halfway and meeting you in their worldview. But how am I doing with couple or what kinds of things do you do with chairs? You know, I like that we're trying to go on dates and stuff like that. And I'm really excited that we have like a, a full day. I don't think we've ever done a full day date um, for a couple of years and that's coming up soon. So I'm really excited that we don't want to talk about ministry. We don't want to talk about our daughter, that we can focus on each other. That will be a great opportunity for us as well to cherish those fun moments when we used to go to the wind tunnel and do all these fun things that we could do when we weren't parents. But as far as how you're doing with couples, I think you're doing the best that you can because we have so many external factors that come at us with stress and everything else. But I think, you know, overall, you're doing an amazing job. Um, I always tell you that you're a great father, you're a great husband, and I'm really thankful. We don't have it perfect here, but I am grateful that you acknowledge those little things. I mean, now when I say, hey, we're all going to Costco, you don't say anything. You just kind of go, <laughs> which, you know, we're excited. I know our daughter is so happy to have you there. We're all excited. It's like a big family event to go to Costco. And that's an example of shoulder to shoulder. You're doing something. You're not just talking. And I really enjoy those times of going to Costco. I like going. Costco. <laughs> it's our big family event to go to Costco. Yay. Um, but I also like going to swim lessons as, as well. Our daughter's swim lessons. There's just something enjoyable about just sitting there side by side. No pressure to talk, but we can't talk some while we're sitting there watching her in her swim lessons. And I just find that very relaxing and enjoyable and a, and a fun shoulder to shoulder family time. I really like the cards that you give me that you make yourself and, and you'll give a note about how proud you are for me as being a good father and husband. And, you know, a lot of times women forget to do that. They fill cards with a bunch of I love yous, but remember the chairs in those cards to also say, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad that you said that, you know, how, how am I doing with chairs? Um, I know that recently we've had a pretty big um, situation that we've been working through, not about our marriage, but just external factors. And I specifically told you how proud I was and how you handled everything and how you reflected Christ. And, you know, I really hope that that really got to your heart because I meant it. Oh, that just makes my heart sing. I mean, when I just hear those compliments those words of affirmation, especially when it's in the the realm of being a good father, uh, husband, or leader of the home, or just conquering something, and and you recognize and you see that, and you just say, "Man, I'm so proud of you that you just really did a good job in that area and showed some awesome leadership and insight." I mean, man, if that just makes my my heart really really sing. I guess another example of, of like the crazy cycle would be a recent example where the sink broke that I tried to fix at the last second before we were about ready to go somewhere. And it was an important place that we had committed to it go was, to. And I was, again, you know, guys don't often make the best decisions in the world. And, you know, sometimes there's a flop and trying to, to fix something right before we had to go somewhere, hoping it would be just an easy fix to stop a drip that was happening underneath the sink. But I didn't realize that that was 
the beginning of a bigger problem where when I just started to try to tighten that nut, it broke. And man, if that wasn't embarrassing and having to, to call a plumber out and, and everything else. And we got and on we a missed, little bit of a, and we missed a, a very important pl- uh, event that we wanted to go to because now we had to focus on the plumbing issue and water coming through the ceiling. And yes, there was a bunch of probably love and disrespect words going back and forth because and, that's what, that's natural. And we got to recognize that as natural in a marriage, those things happen. And that's when we need to come back together. And that's where the apologies happen. And we reinstitute the revitalizing cycle. And uh, that's why it's very important. They say that the compliment to criticism ratio needs to be 10 to one for a healthy marriage, 10 compliments to every criticism. But that also recognizes that there's going to be times where we have criticisms. And the same analogy can be be shown with the energizing cycle or the crazy cycle. We need to have that energizing cycle 10 times more than we have that crazy cycle. We will never prevent the crazy cycle 100%. We're going to have a sink that breaks and everybody's going to be upset because now the house is ruined and now we can't go to the event that we wanted to go to and and we're going to be upset and that's going to happen and we're going to say some things that are unloving and are disrespectful. We just have to recognize we have to spend more time on that revitalizing cycle and re-energizing cycle and and just overwhelm those crazy cycles and just spend more time focusing on couple husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and making them feel close and understood and um just really feel close and and loved and and women spending those wives spending that time making their husbands feel respected and admired for for who they are and their roles as a husband, father, and leader in the home. If we're just infusing so much of that love and respect, then we can stand those times. We can get past those times of where we're on the crazy cycle and not necessarily being so loving and respectful. And I want to also just point out when you said, you know, some things may come out disrespectful words or things that may not be nice. I also want to reiterate in our marriage, we do not use foul words. We do not use anything that is demeaning. I really stand by Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I may have said things like, I can't believe you did that. Uh, now look what's happened. You knew you, you know, but, and it may come across in a way where, you know, my husband feels, okay, you just, you didn't say stupid, but you, I feel that. And so we really try to uphold our words. We're not perfect, like you said. And there are moments like the plumbing situation we just had where it's like, I can't believe that, you know, and we're all speaking to each other with strong tones, but we've never spoken to each other where we call each other names or anything like that. I think we really respect each other in that sense and also try to bring the Lord into our marriage at all times, but we're not perfect people and we do get angry and frustrated because there's always an obstacle that comes our way. But if we remain strong together, upholding couple and upholding chairs, I think exactly what you just said, that it really makes the marriage run smoothly. 
Yeah, and I like the fact that our voices rarely are raised very loud. We're not yelling at each other. We may get a little spirited and we certainly have disagreements, but I, I like the fact that we are not, like you said, we don't use unedifying words towards each other and um, we're not just yelling at each other at the top of our voice and screaming at each other because sometimes we can be right, as Emerson Eggridge says, but wrong at the top of our voice. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're just yelling it at somebody and yelling our, our positions. And I, I just love the fact that we don't have that intensity, that negative intensity in our home, that we keep our arguments um, less intense and very respectful in that tone, even though... As we are learning with love and respect, sometimes we can say the wrong things without even knowing. We can say something unloving without realizing this is going against the other person's worldview of love or say something in a a disrespectful way. And now we know, I didn't know it was disrespectful to say something bad about your job, you know, or how well you're providing for the family or, or such. And so just having that insight can help us see that where it's not so obvious on how we can sometimes miss it and not realize how somebody else needs to be loved or how husbands need to be respected. And I think that's what's great about this study of love and respect to help us see why God commanded in Ephesians 5 for husbands to love and for wives to respect. I cannot recommend Love and Respect Enough by Emerson Eggridge's. If you haven't read it, got to read the book. If you haven't been through the conference uh, or the video series in a class, Go through a class, lead a class, go through it with your spouse and really unpack and really talk about this more in depth, what chairs and couples and love and respect means in the home and in your home. Awesome. And this ends our series on love and respect marriage, which we honor so much because God created an instituted marriage between one man and one woman. And I'm so excited that God continues to teach us to strive to do better, to look more like Christ and to invite him into our marriage because he is that threefold cord that is not easily broken. It's the three. If we both look up to God, then our marriage will walk together in that same unity, that same mind, which is Christ. So thank you again for joining us in this series We're excited. And again, if you are having marital issues, we ask that you go to your church and talk to someone um, that could help and a pastor that can help or recommend different counseling options. I don't think counseling is a bad thing. A lot of people think counseling is, oh, we can't do that. It makes our marriage look bad. But no, this isn't about everybody else. It's about your marriage and your unity that you're trying to fix. And sometimes we do need a little help from someone on the outside. So again, we are thankful that you've joined us and uh, check us out on Instagram and we will see you next time. God bless.